Hello, and welcome to Fresh Pressed for May 4th, 2021. My name is Gabe. And my name is Andrew. This is a show about music where we talk about new tunes and we talk to cool dudes. That was pretty good. I just came up with that. That was pretty good. Wow. I'm really impressed. You were really on it. Did you prepare that ahead no, of time, Andrew? I didn't. Well, can you introduce our cool dude? Uh, we have a lovely guest today, and his name is Ben. And you've heard his name several times in this podcast throughout the last year. What's up, y'all? Happy to be cool dude of the day. A major honor. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for, for joining us and <laughs> giving our small podcast some some modicum of, of legitimacy. I Yeah, I enjoy your podcast. I've heard it a number of times. It, it came to my attention when my name was said on the podcast. <laughs> yes. It's a great way to get people hooked, you know. If if you could say every listener's name at least once, I think you could really, you know, expand. You know, Ben, it would not take us that long to do that. Uh, <laughs> at the moment, so we're going to do the show a little bit differently this week, obviously, because we have a lovely guest. So we're going to skip the whole theme thing, and we're going to jump straight into new tunes. Ben has brought a new song as well for us to listen to that's not a song that he wrote and then as far as we know wait yeah ben did you write that i extremely wish i wrote oh my god if only i had written that song that's (laughs) in my heart of hearts that's the kind of music i want to make and then we'll talk about ben's new album that was put out on friday cicada waves and get the scoop on that andrew tell us about the new tune that you brought uh, I have a new song. Uh, it is entitled For Sale, Ford Pinto. It's by Rosie Tucker from their new album, Sucker Supreme. Rosie Tucker is, uh, this is their third album. They use they, them pronouns. Um, this is their third album on Epitaph Records. Had a very difficult time finding much biographical information about them. But they seem like a like a cool person and a great musician. Um, in addition to uh, their songwriting and guitar playing and singing on this album, uh, there's a couple other folks on it. Jesse Reed plays the drums. Jess Callen uh, adds some additional guitars. And then uh, Wolfie is uh, on production and guitars and a bunch of sort of everything else. Rosie says in in the band camp notes, like, if there are, uh, if any of it sounds real, if there's any sparkle or sheen to Sucker Supreme, if any of it sounds real, you can blame Wolfie. So I don't know who Wolfie is, but, but they seem great. This is the Wolfie who is uh, watching car wrecks on the internet at the beginning exactly. of the song? Exactly. Great, great transition, Gabe. Yes, Wolfie is mentioned in this song specifically at the very beginning. Yeah. I I really love it when songs use someone's name. Like, you know, a lot of times like a songwriter will address themselves in a song yeah. with their own name. And I just love that like, yeah, somebody who's doing production work is like in as a character in the song. It makes it feel like very real. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a Which, cool move. Again, if anything feels real, you can blame Wolfie. So there, there you, you go. go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. We were talking about this idea of referencing specific people by name in songs, which feels like uh, like a very dichotomous thing. Like I feel like some artists do it a lot, and some artists like it's all in the abstract, like just the person sort of referenced nebulously. Mm-hmm. But I like how it grounds like the song to a specific like place and time through the person. That's true. Wolfie's watching car on the internet. It's hard to look away. Some sickos made a playlist. Pick you up at eight. I'm rolling in a pinto. Fender bender cop car. Flaming out in claims. I think the thing that made me pick this song which um gabe was upset that i picked a song from this album because this is very much a gabe album and so he Mm. resorted to picking a song from a very andrew album i see which is fine by me it's not it's not okay with me (laughs) 
It's great. <laughs> I'm hurt. But Gabe, look, I'm going to turn around because I'm going to make this an Andrew song by talking about how I like the lyrics a lot. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> yeah. There's there's this recurring line. It's, uh, wait, is it recurring? No, yeah, it's twice. Uh, and there's a recurring line, time is a trash compactor, I'm feeling pressed, which is just a great, like, couplet to throw in there. And then there's, like, a whole verse about Doritos. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they first mentioned Doritos in the first line of that verse, I'm like, oh, okay, that's going to be, like, a one-time mention of Doritos. And then the rest of the verse is, like, lick it on my fingers, anger on my tongue, Doritos in my anger. And then, like, salty, spicy, bitter. We're still talking about Doritos. Like, it's wild. But here, I'm, like, looking at the lyrics now on Bandcamp. This is the amazing thing that, that uh, Rosie's done here is that the first line is, Wolfie's watching car wrecks, mm-hmm. which is an amazing line to open up on. <laughs> and then, Wolfing down Doritos. It's, like, a it's a twist on the, the first line to say, Wolfing down Doritos. Like, wolfing yeah, absolutely. That's masterful. <laughs> yeah, I love it when, when, our, when you take, like, a word and you because you've said some like distinctive word like wolfie um you know that your listener is if you get close to that word again they're going to immediately connect that to the first time you said that word so you can get a word that is close to that and have it like really pop even more than it would if you started with wolfing down doritos that might be nothing it's a cool priming effect right getting your listener to expect that word again and then the surprise element that makes music sparkle, especially music like this. It's delicious, just like the Doritos. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I also love the song title is so good. Yeah, uh, they do specifically shout out Ralph Nader in the Bandcamp notes. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they say like thanks to Ralph Nader for for banning the Pinto. I guess. <laughs> I also wanted to add. I love how Rosie sings. It yeah. feels like they skip breaths. Like I expect them to take a breath and they just sort of plow on into the next like line, mm. which gives like uh, I don't know, like maybe some urgency to the song and to the singing, which I think fits well with like you know a theme on this song and I think throughout the whole album is like just like time ticking and ticking away. Yeah, it's like I need to get this song out and get all the words out. To make the most of my minutes diminishing in a garbage world. <laughs> pressed. Pressed like a by the garb the, what is it? Trash compactor of life? Oh yeah. I didn't, yeah. Even, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. It's, it's a trash compactor fresh, of garbage fresh world. Press. Damn, fresh pressed? Wow. I'm feeling like... fresh pressed. You tell me to wolfing down Doritos, licking on my fingers, Uh, Gabe, tell us about your Andrew song this week. Yeah, for sure. This is Sweet Dissonance from Bowerbirds off uh, their new record, Be Calm Young Lovers. Too much time on our hands. No one walks into death. So Bowerbirds is now the solo project of Phil Moore. Um, and this is their fourth full length or his fourth full length under this moniker. Although previously they were a trio, including um, the wonderfully named Beth Tacular and <laughs> Mark Paulson. And the, and the normally named Mark and Paulson. The very average name of Mark Paulson. So an important backstory for both the record and the band is that Phil and Beth were a couple and made music together and um, also built a cabin in not really the North Carolina woods, but like fairly close to the North Carolina woods. You mean like it's not in the woods or it's not North Carolina? What do you mean by that? It's just like it's in the woods, but it's more like in the suburbs. Mm Mm-hmm. Of the triangle, like not like Western North Carolina, which is like, you know, the woods. Um, This is more like, you know, the woods. Uh, (laughs) I know what you mean. 
thank you, thank you. <laughs> Lowercase yeah. W Woods. Yeah, like there's a difference between these woods maybe and the woods that Ben was in. Yes, well, that's look. That's the second half of the show. We're not. I'm just previewing. I did, I'm previewing. I, I did pass through Western North Carolina on the way to those woods, so you are correct. Oh. <laughs> okay, it all yeah. comes together. So they last released a record in 2012, and then the two of them had a kid together at some point in the next couple of years, and then broke up romantically and as a band. Wow, I did not realize there was such a break between records. Yeah, it's been. I, I was like so. I, I went to school out in this area. This is the record in the North Carolina Triangle in Durham. And I was familiar with this, like the band, but they weren't putting out new music at the time when I was mm-hmm. there. So it's been, yeah, like nine years now. Damn. And so now Phil, I guess, took the name as his own solo endeavor and wrote and recorded this album, which is basically about their breakup in the cabin that they built together. Wow. <laughs> My God. Laying it on thick. <laughs> Which is intense. And it comes through in the music. And this song, you know, fits into the whole construct of the album as sort of a summation of this like extended breakup that they've had. Made for this, that sweet dissonance. Nothing paves the road. Um, I love the guitar in this song. It's just really nice, uh, really beautiful, and it's really augmented well with the like electronics and and effects. Yeah, the um the big chunky synth swells that come in <laughs> yeah. underneath are. I mean, I- I'm kind of like. I'm I'm really taking a moment to um, reconsider the song in light of the information I've just learned about the context because I <laughs> no, I just listened to it you know I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't do anything but listen to the audio and you know make a few assumptions based on you know whatever I saw on the Bandcamp song page, um, but I'm really feel like those those synth swells are so kind of like ominous, they really feel like doom, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, it's funny how knowing the backstory of the song like really intensifies when you list like the actual music itself. And it makes the emptiness of just kind of the you know, the the finger plucked nylon string guitar mm-hmm. feels just kind of like alone in a really profound way. Like his voice and his guitar are just like an entity in this space. And then these like things come in and like it's like clouds moving in, you know, thunder clouds. Yeah. Yeah. I almost great. felt like the way that um because it's it's not just the synths, but also like <laughs> like turning up the knob on some of the effects, mm-hmm. uh, sort of gradually. It feels like like a welling up of emotion to me. Yeah, like he's he's singing this song and then like this this need to to weep rises up, uh, and he's able to tamp it down momentarily and continue on with the song. That's maybe even sadder than it's intended to be, but it does seem like it's intended to be pretty sad. I mean, the final line in the song is really a gut punch. <sighs> yeah. It, there's such interesting contrasts between the like raw, like really rawly acoustic rawly. Uh, oh, like I get very it. Raw, Carolina. <laughs> rawly. Uh, acoustic guitar, which is so forcefully being like plucked. Um, and then the synths and effects coming through. And then the vocals, which are both... It's it's so interesting, this vocal doubling effects to me, because two things. First of all, it doesn't... It's hard to, like, parse out if there is, like, a primary voice. Sometimes, right, when you do, like, vocal doubling like that, there is, like, one of the voices is intended to be the main voice, and then the second mm-hmm. adds effect. But it's hard. It like feels like it's switching which voice is supposed to be like focus on this one and then have the other stuff come around it to fill it out. Mm. And also, it's like such a studio effect, right? Doubling your own voice on top of a song that feels like it's like unplugged to some degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, it has the sound of like just a single mic in the in the middle of the room. Right. Exactly. But I was I always thought that I mean I I personally can't stand vocal doubling. I uh, <laughs> refuse to do it on any of my records, and I any record I play on, I always beg people to not do it because to me it just like takes me out of the illusion of the performance. Mm. You know, it just sound, I just can hear the studio so clearly when I hear that effect, and it always like it always struck me as something that people do. It's kind of like looking in a mirror or like watching yourself perform, and. Yeah, almost in this instance, it like fits in the introspection of it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's a cool take on it. Yeah. yeah. But generally, I really don't like vocal doubling. <laughs> I'm split down the middle To burn or fade with grace think about like the story of music a lot because a lot of what we do as listeners is like we narrativize the things that we listen to and um yeah i'm just kind of amazed at how deeply altered the song feels to me now that i have this like little bit of backstory for it the song like is is the backstory in many ways yeah how, how do you feel about that as an influence on the music you're listening to it do you well, prefer to know things about how a song was constructed when you're listening to it do you not really care sometimes sometimes well I, i'll say this a a kind of like middle of the road song can become profound with its context explained mm -hmm. but like an undeniable song doesn't need context yes. and like sometimes the song is so good that even if you know the circumstances of how it was recorded it doesn't change it i mean like everything phil specter ever made like he's right. one of the most cancelable cancelable dudes of all time. <laughs> right. And like be my baby will always fuck. I mean, it's just like you can't <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of interesting. I think like I and I think I can't help but think about this is like really kind of somebody who's like <laughs> just gone through like an album release lead up, but like when I hear a, a record's backstory summarized, I often think about like who in the press department came up with that elevator pitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you encounter the music, you make your own story of how you're hearing it and what it means to you. But the trick in getting people to listen to your music is to entice them to encounter it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's actually, it's really tough to get people to actually hit play and listen intently. That's like a huge journey for a listener to make. So you got to have an interesting backstory. I, I was like, I, I don't remember the band, but there was like, a punk band, I think from Philadelphia, maybe like eight years ago, who put out a press release. They put out a single and they were like, the, it was like, I can't really, dis I'm not describing it well, but essentially the, the singer in the band had gone to prison for manslaughter. Right. And like, cool. they really leaned into that as the like story <laughs> of the music. And I was like, that is just unbelievably grim that they were like, oh, this is a story that nobody else is telling. Like, nobody else is out here with a guy who went to prison for manslaughter. Like, we got to <laughs> lean into this story. And I was just like... So I, I just think about that sometimes. Like, we're we're kind of, like, forced to, to trade on our personal traumas and our stories to, like, make records compelling for people to listen to. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think something from doing this podcast that... I don't know, maybe, Andrew, tell me how you feel about this, that, that I've gone away from is i'm just like looking for all of the new music yeah so i'm less concerned i'm like less i'm and i'm doing a lot of the close listening just like because it's now like sort of my job not that there's any money but like that you know <laughs> it's, it's something that i love it's your calling yeah. yeah right um we um i worked at a radio station in college and we would write reviews of every new record that came in. Like something you could do at the radio station is write a review just for us and like throw it on the CD or the record when we would play it. Like you're trying to sell the record to some degree to mm -hmm. the, the the other DJs. And one way of doing that would be like, yeah, playing up who is this artist um, in that same way that you'll see in like Bandcamp liner notes, right? Yeah, and it can enrich your... I mean, the best thing I think is when you you vibe on something and then you hear the backstory and it 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 enhances the vibe right yeah but it's just you know i think people are just so 
thirsty for attention. I mean, that, I, I, that has a negative connotation, but I think there's just a lot of stuff out there and a lot of things <laughs> happening and you got to figure out how to, how to, what's the shorthand for telling people you've made something worth investigating. Yeah. And a lot of times it's like, I've been through this remarkable personal I went history. to jail for manslaughter. I, yeah, I like live in a house my partner and I constructed and it's really fucking sad. Yeah. So I thought we did very well this week in that we picked three songs from pretty disparate musical spheres. Ben, your song is something that is not typical of this podcast, but it is so fucking good. It's so good. So the song I picked is called The Devil, and it's by a just fantastic producer named LSDXOXO. Also, just what a handle. What a name for yourself as an artist. It's so good. Um, yeah, and like just just a, a um, hard banger. Um, it's in this kind of like, it's definitely housey. It's definitely techno adjacent. Um, and it's in this kind of like ballroom Vogue style. And it's about like fucking the devil for money and feeling good about it because you look hot as hell and you have money. I mean, it's just like it's so sick. I um, and the the last single this is it's come from an upcoming EP called Dedicated to Disrespect, numeral two. Um, which again, just like everything about this person is so cool. And the previous the previous song, which is maybe even more of a bop if you can believe it, is called Sick Bitch. And it's just a similar kind of like over the top song. And like, I, I was really interested. I mean, the devil is, is great. The devil fuck me good is an amazing chorus. Mm-hmm. Just an amazing piece of work. But um, I'm also interested in this like weird micro trend that's happening right now where people are making music and fantasizing about fucking the devil. Yeah. It's this and call me by your name. And then yeah, Montero is like, I mean, that music video, I think we can all agree is just masterful (laughs) so good yeah and then i heard this song and i was like it's a similar vibe it's like it's so interesting because i think like man i still haven't wrapped my head around it but like (laughs) the devil is about um you know temptation right like the devil represents the things you desire and like is a figure that like makes you feel desire but like the call me by your name video and this song is about like it's not about desire. It's about proclaiming like I have the thing that I desired. I'm fucking the devil. I did it. <laughs> and it's like an amazing like flip of the script of like, you know, normal like Judeo-Christian shame and you know, whatever being scared of this like sulfurous figure. I- I'm just fascinated. I- I'm I'm kind of fascinated by the devil generally myself. Yeah. Um and just owning owning the situation so aggressively, just like it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. It's like it sometimes it feels like a reclamation of like uh, the narrative that you're going to go to hell for yeah. whatever being queer or yeah any other number of things and it's like well fuck you like yeah I'm already there like I have this yeah you said you got into dancing a few years ago right yeah Mm -hmm. and i assume you mean like this style of dancing or do you mean like ballroom style oh no 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 i mean going out to nightclubs and like listening i mean this is like my speed is maybe a little bit slower. I think I, I, I tend towards like, um, 
because I I'm like obsessed with Arthur Russell and he's like mm-hmm. one of my entry points into the dance music world, but like the early house music like New York Garage, like Larry Levon, Paradise Garage, like those kind of more disco, a little bit slower BPM, some more actual instruments besides just like synthesizers and computers. That's more kind of like where I lean towards and where my taste lies. Yeah. But like, I don't care. I'll listen to anything as long as I can <laughs> go crazy dancing to it. And I miss it so bad. I mean, it's like one of the great pains of COVID for me is that I just like, I, I when I was living in the city up until COVID struck, I was going out dancing till six in the morning, like every weekend. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> it was a huge <laughs> part of my life. Um, and obviously it's not really something you can do right now. I have this buddy, Max, who is a great guy and loves dance music. And he he essentially was just like, I know this isn't your scene. I know you've never like really been to a nightclub in this way, but like you need to come to this techno club with me tonight. You're going to fucking love it. And he just like had this idea that I was going to lose my mind. And I did. And that was it. <laughs> that first night, that first night that he and I went out dancing together, it was just like, oh, like this is how you actually hear this music. Yeah. And, um, mm. you know, they have those like giant speakers at these clubs and it just like plays the music differently. And the music sounds really different when it's slapping up against like 300 sweaty bodies in a room. Yeah, that's really true. As someone who like does not listen to any sort of dance music at all, except that my brother like makes EDM. So I listen to oh, his cool. stuff when he, when he puts stuff out. Yeah. And I've been to like one or two of his shows and feeling it physically and feeling it like Mm -hmm. collectively spiritually, like as part of the crowd really uh, makes a huge difference. And then you can, once you have experienced that, then you can transfer that even to when you're not in the middle of 300 bodies. Yeah. And when I put on this track I picked today, like on the exercise bike, I, I can like for a, for a fraction of a second, I might feel like I'm on the dance floor. You know what I mean? Just the little like glimmer of it. And that's enough to like really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Music, music changes so radically based on the circumstances under which you listen to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could say that for anything. I mean, that applies to all music, but like I started really feeling this on the treadmill is that like when I was listening to things, they would, they would, sound different depending on like how fast or how hard I was pushing myself. So like listening to music at like hour 40 of a, or a minute 40 hour, 40 (laughs) minute 40 of a, yeah. Minute 40 of a run. It's a different song than like listening to it, just sitting on your couch. Like I I don't have any, um, you know, medical science to back this up, but phenomenologically speaking, it's like, it is really true. Like these, these, informational things that we put into our ears like they just can change so dramatically based on the situation yeah and i love the reflection of listening to it in different places and that little recall that you were talking about Mm -hmm. i'll get that with like you go see a band live and then you listen to the studio version of the song and it like as being transportation and also reflecting like your mood at that time in a similar way like you can go for a run and listen to a song and now the song sounds different to you from then on to some extent, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. you remember what it was like to hear it when you were three miles into your run or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I make a deal with the devil, sell my soul in my body, but I look fucking good. Living in my Maserati, take me on expensive trips, fly me out to Abu Dhabi. So, Ben, you put out a record this past Friday called Cicada Waves. Correct. This is an ambient album that you recorded out in, like, the the Appalachian Mountains in Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this dance studio at a place called the Hambidge Center, which is a really amazing and weird and interesting artist residency. And it's at the very southern tip of the Appalachian Mountains and at the very northern tip of Georgia. So it's right on the border. And in fact, like most days I would go for a run into North Carolina. Like the road was, I don't know, like a mile and a half from the border. And I would like 
run into the next state just because I thought it was fun. So it's a, it's an interesting state. It's not really, it's definitely Appalachia. It's not necessarily like a Georgia place and it's not necessarily a North Carolina place. It just feels like the woods. And the town it's in is called Raven Gap. It's an unincorporated community. It's not even a town. It's a <laughs> unincorporated community. It's just got like a name. And that's it. Yeah. When and why did you go out there? Because you had just released a record earlier last year. Yeah. Um, Youth Pastoral, which we featured on this show, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. And this is like very different, obviously, although you've done a bunch of ambient stuff as well yeah. previously. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you know my entire catalog, which is uh, really massive at this point, uh, <laughs> this isn't a huge departure. But for a lot of people who just came on board for my last record, this must be like <laughs> a huge turn. I was offered that residency. I applied for it. You know, anyone can apply for it. Um, mm-hmm. It's they have an open call, and I was offered my slot. I think in February of 2020, and it was that classic thing of like, I was my, my buddy, my coworker, I was like, Hey dude, I got this like two week residency. Do you think I could like, do you think like work's going to be pissed if I try to take it off? And he was like, yeah, we'll figure it out. It'll work out for you. You'll get to go. And I was like, (laughs) well, he was technically correct. Cause by the time the residency came along, I had like moved out. I'd moved Mm -hmm. to the capital region near Albany and I didn't have a day job anymore. And like, I kept thinking that the residency was just going to cancel. But, um, the way that they're structured you're given your own living space. That's both your, you know, where you sleep and your studio. So I had this entire giant dance studio and a little bedroom and a kitchen all to myself. And then they have a screened in porch where they like gave you your pre-portioned meals. So it's kind of like COVID safety protocol built in already. Um, And they were continuing to do it and they were like, you can postpone if you want, or you can come. And it just kind of worked out that I got to be able to do this. It was just like a very, I got very lucky um, that it worked out. Cause I think like later in the year, once, you know, like COVID started spiking again, kind of like after Halloween. Um, I don't know if I would have gone then, but like August, 2020, that was right when there was like a dearth of new cases in the U S it was just like the perfect moment to go. Yeah. And it was great timing because like, like everyone's life last year, like a lot of crazy shit had gone down. Um, and I think I was still working through others, you know, the normal other chaos you have in your life. And then like, it felt like COVID just kind of like barfed me up. And then all of a sudden I had this like historic piano to sit at for 12 hours a day. And that's what I did. I would love to talk about the like the piano itself and the space itself uh, yeah. where you recorded all of this. Because I know, I mean, the premise of it, but I would love for you to like go into how you felt like connected to the space. Sure. So more backstory, but like part of my time during COVID, I spent at Kenyon College where my Heard girlfriend of it. was teaching. Yeah. Yeah. So I spent like two and a half months in Gambier in 2020, which was a really weird turn of events. Um, and my girlfriend was, yeah, it was total. And there, and it was like more abandoned than usual. I mean, there must've been only 40 people in town. I mean, it was completely wild. Um, no students, you know? Yeah. So yeah, my, my girlfriend was teaching sculpture there at the time and, um, seemed like a lot safer to be there than to be in the cities and we couldn't be together otherwise. So I went to go (laughs) stay on this college campus and somehow we finagled, uh, access to the concert grand piano that's in the classical music department at Kenyon. 
I got it worked out so that I could go play this beautiful grand piano. And I was like, well, I don't have like my instruments or my band and I can't, I can't do anything else. So I guess like I'm going to just play piano for a while. And I like really leaned into it when I was in Ohio and I was trying to make essentially the sequel to my 24 hour long record, mm-hmm. which is called my life's work. If you haven't heard it, it's a 24 hour long recording of guitar ambience. And I wanted to do that with the piano. And I had worked out a method of like making drones with the piano and I, it required me to record the absolute quietest part of a piano chord. Um, so I was like making these extremely delicate recordings where if I breathed too heavily, it would ruin the take. <laughs> and I was just like getting really obsessed with getting clean, perfect piano tones. And that was like where I was, that's where I was. And then I got this opportunity to go play a different beautiful piano kind of amazingly and unexpectedly last year. And when I got there, I was like, cool, I'm going to finish this work. I started when I was in Ohio, but the studio is really firmly nestled in the woods. It's surrounded on all sides by mountains and hiking trails and so many fucking spiders and Mm. just (laughs) nature is like winning. Like, um, the, the kudzu vines are like creeping over the building and it's this beautiful space. It's it they it's the space they give to dance people when they're there because there's lots of room to move around. It's a big open space and it has tons and tons of windows, but there's basically no sound insulation from the outside world. Mm-hmm. So I kept trying to make these recordings similar to what I had been doing in the summer, but every time I turn I hit record, like something would get on the tape, no matter how hard I tried. And I just kind of gave up. I was like, you know what? I can't get these bugs to shut up. I can't get these birds to stop singing. I can't get the thunderstorms to stop from happening. I'm just going to like open every single window in this big space and just like let the piano breathe and like that'll be it. And I didn't really have an intention of making a record, but I wanted to like document this amazing thing that was happening. Yeah. And um, when I got back from Georgia and I listened to it, I was like, I, I realized that it was a cohesive thing and it felt transportative and like it was one statement. And that's, that's how the record came to be. last track off cicada waves which is fog rolls out raven gap is spectacular it's it's so beautiful and i love the interplay particularly between the piano and the birds yeah it really feels like a duet yes and it was completely unexpected i mean um that track was the absolute last thing i did before I got into a car and left immediately after I recorded that track. Wow. It was it, it was almost like I almost didn't have time to do it. And I was just like, I gotta do one more. I gotta do one more while I'm here. And I sat down and I, you know, I think the bird comes in at like 45 seconds or something and was like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, this is what <laughs> I needed to get down. And I think like often what you hear is like my fascination with the sounds too. Um because like I, I don't know, we haven't really like said this precisely but like the sound of cicadas on the record is unbelievable it is a wild wash i mean i've never heard anything like that in my life it's somewhat insulated on the record because you know there's like music on top of it but i i could barely sleep the first night i was there because the cicadas were so loud yeah it was a truly phenomenal and exciting acoustic environment to be in and um it was just really cool to be (laughs) surprised by the thing that I was listening to so deeply. I actually, I had this amazing experience last night 
we, we did this like secret release show at um, this former Unitarian lecture hall in Western Mass. Great. Yeah, it was great. It was like, I don't know, maybe a dozen people and my friends brought their like nine month old and it was her first like, <laughs> it was her first concert. <laughs> it was very beautiful. And I had some like different nature sounds on cassette tapes and I was like changing out the cassette tapes and improvising against the cassette tapes. And then when I wanted to change moods, I would like fade out, right? But we wanted to be really COVID safe. So we like flew all, the, we like had all the doors open and this is around sunset in Western Mass. So I, I had this amazing experience of like, I had these pre-recorded cicadas I had improvised along to, and then I sang a song and I started fading out the sounds. And as I, I was fading out the sounds, the sound of actual birds outside the venue became audible. <laughs> <laughs> so it was this really remarkable thing of like, I was try- trying to simulate the experience of making the record by having these pre-recorded sounds, but then there were actual sounds like actually outside. And then at one point geese flew overhead and I could hear them honking. It was like, really, it was a, it was a cool thing. And I think ultimately like this collection of music is a method for listening more than anything. It's like instructions on how to listen. And I also feel like I had to remember how to listen. I don't, I don't, a, a remarkable aspect of making this record is that I didn't have cell service or internet access in my studio, Hmm. which after being doing literally everything online for, you know, the nine months leading up to it during COVID, it was really an amazing kind of, um, reacquaintance with my consciousness and my phenomenological experience with the world. That's a huge part of what is heard on the record is my not being, um, my brain not being melted by social media in that moment. I, I mean, the only, my only connection to the outside world. I mean, I, if I wanted to get on the internet, I could have, like, I could have gone to the kitchen area and brought my laptop or whatever, but in my space where I was working, I didn't have any connection. And I intentionally was trying not to look. And, uh, my only connection to the outside world was a cordless telephone that could only receive calls in. I couldn't make calls out. (laughs) (laughs) It's really like an important aspect of, of making this music. There's a real genre that's emerged in the last year of like a COVID record mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, yeah. So I, I like made do and I was alone. So I like made a record like in my bedroom and like, this is the COVID record. And like a lot of people in like May of 2020 were putting out records that were like the quarantine diaries, you know, that kind of stuff. And like, this is definitely an album shaped and defined by COVID to a certain extent, but it's not like a social isolation record because it was actually the first time I was around like a group of strangers. There were other artists in residence that I like got to know and hung out with. And specifically my buddy, I, my buddy, Jeff Jackson, who's an author from Raleigh, North Carolina. I, he like going swimming with him many days while I was there was like a really, and becoming friends with him was like an important part of making this record and like feeling like a human being again. So it is like a COVID record in some ways, but I think very crucially, it's also very much about um, encountering people and like whatever the opposite of COVID is. I like it. It's the anti-COVID record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like to point that out. I think it's important that people know that. Yeah. That's the backstory. That's my um, having <laughs> yeah. gone to jail for manslaughter. <laughs> <laughs> 
through some other albums oh yeah let's do that real quick um i really enjoyed an album by luton l-u-w-t-e-n in all caps i don't know how to say it um entitled draft uh really excellent stuff sort of uh sylvan so-esque um came close to taking a couple tracks from that um there's a record from julia stone called 60 summers um that is awesome and beautiful and interesting that I recommend. Uh, my buddy Sean just put out a uh, limited edition lathe cut um, of these. They're like kind of switched on Brahms. It's like synthesizer <laughs> settings of Brahms pieces. And his recording name is Moon Mullins. And it's called Two Intermezzos and a Waltz. It's like really serene. It kind of feels like uh, maybe music from like the, the beautiful parts of 2001 Space Odyssey or something like that. Very nice, like synthy bloops. Wow. Sweet. On the topic of artists who have broken up with their significant others who are also in a band <laughs> with them, uh, Toth, which is Alex Toth of Rebel Bucket, mm. put out an album uh, this weekend that was that was pretty funky and fun. Yeah, there's some good stuff on there. Uh, Don Richard put out a record. I think is this the first off Merge, maybe? Um, that's like dancey and... This is Merge's first ever record? This is Merge's first record. <laughs> 35 years after they started the label. Um, it's called Second Line, and uh, it's groovy and great. Yeah, I guess I'd also like to shout out the new um, Joseph Shabison record that just came out. I'm trying. To, oh, yeah, The Fellowship. It's really deep work um, and not what I expected. It's really all over the place, and it's like convincingly autobiographical about conflicted feelings about growing up in the church but with no lyrics i don't know how he does it but it's kind of amazing wow wow that's really cool um there was a cool record from god why did i pick all these bands so i don't know how to say their names uh laufey <laughs> laufey i don't know how to say her name l-a-u-f-e-y um that's like jazz pop um that was great it's very it like it's not like okay kaya's records from last year but in a similar sort of like jazz influence, but also sardonic kind of way, it is. So if you liked those mm. from last year, uh, called Typical of Me. It's funny that you mentioned OK Kaya because I listened to a record from Kuska, Kutska, K-U-C with a little V on top. Wow, we're really, we're doing great on names <laughs> of bands this week. Who put out like less jazzy, but also electronic, reminds me of OK Kaya in like the lyrical style. Um, and that record is called Wrestling. Well, that is our show for the week. It's been an absolute delight having you here, Ben. Thank you for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. It's really um, it's really fun to talk to you guys. Yeah, this is super cool. Uh, it's sort of surreal to listen to your music and then have you on the show. It's amazing. <laughs> How can we keep up with all of your music making and artistic endeavors and yeah well i i do have a newsletter um right now it's being used to kind of expand and think about this record cicada waves but normally i make a track every week of some variety and then write something um that's called my big break you can subscribe to that uh my big break although i'm gonna move it off of substack soon because they are not being good trans allies and they're yeah, letting like really disgusting people um, on their website. So fuck them. 
I haven't had time to make the switch yet, but I want to soon. So just keep an eye out for that. I it, it, The domain is probably going to change, but it's called My Big Break. Yeah, that's a good place. I usually talk about everything I'm up to there, but I also help run a collective record label called Whatever's Clever that I would love for people to check out. Um, a lot of cool people on that label, and that website is um, whatever'sclever.club. You can follow Fresh Pressed on Twitter at Fresh Press Pod. You can find all of Ben's music on Bandcamp, which we super recommend supporting artists, buying the music. Um, this is, it's a Bandcamp Friday this Friday. So if, if you oh, that's are looking for a way to support Ben and other artists, check it out. When is, this is coming out on Tuesday, yeah? Yes. Yes. Okay. I am, I am doing um, a very limited uh, Hype Beast merch drop uh, related oh, to Cicada Waves on Damn. Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday. shit. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. We got the scoop. Um, <laughs> I made way too few of them. I think they're going to sell out immediately. Great. I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can get Cicada Waves on cassette on, on Bandcamp. It is in the second run. And I, frust- it's, it's sad to me because the second run is on a glitter cassette. And I got in the first run. And then I was like, ah, but I could have a glitter cassette. Maybe I should buy two cassettes. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I haven't gotten the glitter ones yet, so I can't really appreciate the differences. But mm, okay. um, I do have the I do have the first run in hand, and they sound really good on cassette tape. Excellent. Like not every record should be put on tape, you know. But this one really works. <laughs> yeah. Um, we will leave a link to the Spotify playlist that contains the songs that we featured on the show this week and all previous weeks as well, so you can check that out. Um, and also links to all of. Ben's websites and newsletters and music will be left in the show description as well. We will be back with more tunes and more grooves on Tuesday, May 11th. But for now, I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. And I'm Ben. And you have been listening to Fresh Pressed. Perfect. Nice. Good job. We did it. We did it. Cool.